welcome everybody to another live recording of the Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. We really welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discussed today, please raise your hand. There's a button for that and uh, we'll sort you out and get you on stage. So with that out of the way, my name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we make it our mission to elevate the serviceability of travel management companies through the effective use of data. And I'm Anne, and I'm a consultant with LeapShift in the travel and airline industry. Happy to help you with anything related to a retail, NDC, one order and distribution. I also work as an instructor with both IOTA and Aeroclass. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash, and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in business travel in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo, and this is Linking the Travel Industry. And Anash, thank you for joining me again today. For those in the audience that's new to this, um, thank you for giving us your time. The format of this discussion evolves around the post I do on a Friday where I've tried to gather the most talked about travel industry stories from last week. So last week was week 25, and then we discussed them here this week. And once again, you are reminded you're welcome to take part and also comment on any of the stories we mentioned today. The first one on my list from last week was about a really good story from Air India. There was a passenger who had a disruption on his flight. It was a technical issue by the airline itself. The letter that he got from the airline really amazed me. So not only was he refunded the entire fare for the journey, but he was also given a flight voucher for a future travel. And I think there was some other thing also thrown in, which was really nice. So um, I've had certainly in my days several technical issues on airlines and flights, etc. Never have I seen something like that. Have you, Anne? I've seen very good letters, especially when I actually had to, you're going to love this one, Ash, when I had to reissue my own American Airlines ticket at Dallas Airport. And then I got a very apologetic letter when I said I I don't expect passengers to reissue their own tickets. Um, (laughs) But but it made me wonder a bit. The questions you ask when you see this letter ruin the spirit you're in. But did all passengers get refunded? It does sound too good to be true, doesn't it, that everybody got refunded? It it does. uh, It really does. And it makes you mm -hmm. think, should that then result in you always sending a complaint, a letter of complaint to the airline and who sort of who gets the money back and really the sort of the full refund that really I found a bit strange. I don't know. What did you think, Ash and Mohit? Well, from my side, let me just say this, and I'm going to introduce a very controversial thought here. Are all passengers equal on the plane? Mm. If you are a product and you know we are in the travel industry, so influence and how people project yeah. your brand also has a value, right? So if somebody is a frequent traveler, of course, they should be treated differently. That's very simple. But what about things like people's social influence and the power of their word? If somebody has the ability yeah. to negatively impact your brand because they have a larger influence, let's say socially or business-wise, then shouldn't you treat that person differently? I think that most people want to have the simple idea that everybody should be given the same thing, but I think that that's not realistic. And I would like to see brands, I think that they should incorporate those kind of thoughts. I just want to point out that that letter he posted in his post there is addressed to dear guests. It wasn't addressed to him by name. But I also have to say in his post in the comments, for every you know one good deed on his post, there's like 
80,000 examples of people having really terrible experiences with that airline. So yes. That's well, I think I think Air India has notoriously had bad experiences. Mm, interesting. Mohit, do you have Actually, a insight for us oh, on the story? Do you? Yeah, good evening, everybody. My name is Mohit. I'm one of the regular listeners of this amazing live show hosted by these three awesome people. And I also work as a product manager for flight supplier here at ticket.com in Jakarta. So, you know, why this is important is because we've never seen this as Ash was, you know, saying that they've been really notorious about how they have dealt with such instances. But this is a display of, you know, customer service to come ahead. And I'll tell you this, a greater part of the Indian community, at least, and those will form a uh, you know, bigger chunk of the flyers uh, in the coming decades, blindly trust anything that Tata they touch. And this is, you know, just a start of the great Indian aviation story. Also not to mention Dhruv, who's the, I think the author, you know, he represents a company who competes in many ways with Tata. So that was something that stood out. Ah, see, I like those two nuggets (laughs) right there. That's pretty good. So that makes a lot of sense now as well. Um, Michael, you joined us. You're from ATPCO. Did you have a comment on the story? Thanks, Rian. Yeah, hey, everyone. Uh, Mike Schlesinger from ATPCO. Yeah, just a quick comment. Well, actually, my first time joining, so thank you, Ash, again, for turning me on to it. Not to get into the discussion of compensation, you know, Ash, you make a really good point. Should all passengers be viewed equally? That's a separate discussion. But one thing I want to, I guess, credit Air India here for that I noticed some airlines are starting to do more that I think goes a really long way is getting more specific in communicating causes for delays, not just as the poster mentioned like issues beyond our control i know there's a couple airlines that like right in the app on flight status communicate that and i find personally just for myself uh, when i am delayed or when there's a disruption knowing it doesn't really change anything it's not going to get the plane off the ground earlier but at least for me psychologically like it puts me uh, a little bit more at ease and i think i'm curious to know if others would agree that when airlines get more specific in communicating reasons for delay whether it's crew whether it's maintenance i find it's much more pleasant to deal with than just looking at the board that has a delayed departure time. Oh, absolutely, Michael. I can't agree more. I mean, it's, it's really, really nice if they can be that specific. Thank you for uh, for joining us and welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it and we'll see you regularly here. And I see Glenn. I'm trying to get you on stage. Glenn Morgan, welcome as well. You're also new to the show, so thank you for joining us. Did you have a comment? I was just wondering whether it's the influence of Campbell Wilson, the new CEO of Air India. He talks quite a lot about you know customer centricity and he was I think he was the chief customer officer at, when he was at, over in previous roles in Singapore and stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, as Ash pointed out, I mean, with the Tata Group takeover there, it, they, the, the bar is very low, right? It's not going to be too difficult for them to fix a few perception issues. Moving on to my next story, staying in India, though, and this was the big news of the week, which was the massive order from Indigo, 500 Airbus planes added to that order. I think there was an actual saying by somebody from Airbus saying they can't make planes fast enough now. So, Ash, all those orders, you know, outstanding there. Again, are all airline orders equal? Uh, are some going to get preferences? Yeah, I think whoever pays the most gets preferences. <laughs> so, if you if you got the plane order at a discount, maybe you kind of have to take a back seat compared to somebody who paid full retail price. We just keep seeing this huge amount of influence coming out of India. Uh, you know, we had Air India make a whole bunch of purchases. Now we see Indigo making a whole bunch of purchases. But clearly, they're strategizing not just for 
domestic travel, but they're strategizing for a lot of global travel. I think that is definitely a really strong move from the Indian market on aviation. And we talk about it almost every week now. Yeah, another angle to this, um, Ash, you talk about all the orders outstanding, and I'm sure you picked up on it, but there was an interesting post by, was it Jay, Jay Sorensen, where he was questioning about you know all this growth, and he was not being too negative about it, he was just saying mm. it's good, but he was asking, how does this impact the industry's you know, is there this crazy goal of net zero by 2030? Is that the goal? All of this is, is very interesting. Who gets to say which countries can grow or not? Are we going to step in and say, no, there are, you know, parts of the world that, that cannot grow in, in, in this segment? Uh, who is going to dictate that? And And in that case, Will someone dictate then that you will have to have severe cutbacks in, in Europe and the US? It's, it's very interesting. But the positive view on that is that these increase in orders and the you know increased spending and sort of earnings in those companies is actually going to add more potential money towards further research in better sustainable ways to fly, right? So that's that angle as well. Yes. Let's hope that yes. one pans out, right? There's some interesting news from uh, Spain. The national rail company Renfe there is going, you know, quite big on cross-border train routes. So they will now operate their first regular service to France, you know, in July um, with a Barcelona-Lyon train and then a Madrid-Marseille one as well. Um, so that's pretty good news for, you know, European rail. The question I have, Anne, is only now? You would have thought that was in place a long time ago, right? <laughs> Yeah, and this, this really is a, a flashback for me because 10 years ago, I was working on the TAP TSI European Intermodal Project, which was all about trying to achieve this. So, you know, this is 10 years ago. And the biggest obstacle, which is mentioned in the article, is the borders. There's um, protection of your own country and your borders and rail and the reluctance to actually uh, work together or actually you know they are preventing other railways entering their countries so Isn't finally just, we're seeing yes. some progress yes mm. finally so um finally. Asha, are, you, are you are you hopping over to europe to come do some train travel which i really still haven't done I love train travel in Europe. I actually have done a lot of traveling in Europe and the ease of use is just amazing. I wish we had this kind of infrastructure here in uh, North America because I would be on these trains on a pretty regular basis as opposed to flying. I just prefer it that way, actually. No, but I mean, when you look at Spain, for example, I mean, I wouldn't dream of flying, for instance, Madrid, Malaga. I much rather no. take the train, right? Because yeah, the city yeah. center to city center, so I don't have to. You know, the concept is fantastic. Glenn, you back yeah. on stage. Thank you. Did you have a comment on the story? It's interesting. I think the high-speed trains will actually, you know, those types of connections will increase the innovation in some of the carriers. For example, Iberia and Vueling uh, out of Barcelona mm -hmm. have got a, a sort of essentially like a Kenya-type proposal where you can just jump on any flight. It's going every half an hour, 15-minute check-in, and you get, you know, uh, Barcelona-Madrid uh, to compete with the, the train side of things. And so it doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about your ticket being on Vueling or being on Iberia. Yeah. You just yeah. rock up and get the next available flight. I think you'll see more innovation like that where their competition from the rail jumps in. The other thing I just wanted to make on the previous comment was re regarding there's a really good post on LinkedIn uh, from a guy called Mike Malik. 
if anyone wants to do a search, he's. Uh, I think he works at Sirium. There is a whole post on one of his posts regarding the outstanding orders of aircraft. So United lead with over 900, about 650 firm, and then another couple of hundred on option. Then it's Lion Air with over 550, of which are about 100 of those are letters of intent. Air India is all letter of intent, and then Indigo is sitting there at 500 and 550 for sort of Air India. So really interesting post if you have a look at it. Sirium's the data company. So Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Glenn. I must, I must say, I wasn't aware of United's lead in the order book. Lufthansa sells Airplus International to, and I was again corrected, not a German bank. I'm so sorry. It was a Swedish bank. Thanks for correcting me, Anne. SEB Court is the name of the bank. And I saw you celebrated that. So why are you happy about that sale? Well, I mean, SCB is one of my banks. So it's something yes. about now you can finally yeah. get something, right? <laughs> No, actually, they're, they're very innovative uh, bank, and especially in the corporate segment. So I think they can do wonders here. They, they will bring a lot of innovation. Okay, very good. Ash, any comment on that? So I think that this is a good move for Lufthansa. Uh, according to the article, they are dropping a lot of uh, dead uh, weight uh, from the balance sheets with this sale and adding a lot more because, of course, with uh, a company like AirPlus, you have to be cash uh, strong, right? So Lufthansa gets to get rid of that from their portfolio. From that perspective, it's a good move. And from Anne's perspective, it's a great move because the money moves to Sweden. <laughs> Still in Europe, our next story was obviously, again, after the Indigo story, probably the biggest one of the week. And this is about Air France KLM increasing their distribution cost in the GDS Edifact channel. Um, there's a lot of ifs and buts and only for this, only for that comments here. And I was not very happy with how they got that message out because it's very specific. Um, the charges only apply to Edifact consumption and um, only for leisure agents, which um, I must admit, I wonder how they're going to police that. I thought it was a pretty strange with the leisure, but but then again, I believe that Air France KLM have a solution for leisure agents to book direct, right? So they're not really penalizing anyone technically. That's my understanding. That is mine as well. So yes, correct. It's a lot of who are here for not much effect. Absolutely. For me, I think the airlines have multiple strategies going in with this topic, right? And so we're seeing one of them play out here. And I think that as we move forward, we're going to see more and more disruption and confusion in the marketplace. We just want to say thank you for those in the audience who are giving us their time today. And it's especially nice to see some new faces. Glenn, you're new to the show, so welcome. Thank you for joining and also commenting. See some very familiar faces. Sue, Alexandra, Andy's back with us. Nishant is there. So we just want to say thank you for joining us and giving us your time. Time. This show, really, the intent behind this is to, you know, stimulate discussion on topics we discuss, but also, more importantly, to make sure that you build up connections in the travel industry. And so we have a link of the week each week where we talk specifically and focus on one specific person. But this week, our link of the week is uh, short name Alex, but long name Alexandra Bukolova. Alex works for Medeus. She's very, very active on LinkedIn. I love um, her posts. And if you're not connected to, to Alexandra, you should do. Um, her posts are fantastic and really nice to see thank you for being such a regular listener and for joining our show and um, taking part so that was our link of the week 
but there was an announcement by CWT that they've signed a partnership deal with SpotNana. So um, they're going to front-end SpotNana to some of their corporate customers. Um, a big win for SpotNana, I would say. Not too unexpected from my side. I was expecting you know, one of the big guys to start working with them. Ash, what do you make of that? It's good news for SpotNana, right? Well, I think it's good news for CWT because CWT did not really have a good answer in the marketplace for all the activity that's happening uh, as it relates to the good conversation of NDC. So what is CWT's strategy when it comes to that? Well, they don't have one. And so SpotNana partnership now allows them to just inherit all the work of SpotNana and be able to talk about it with their customers without having spent a single dollar other than creating the partnership, which hopefully SpotNana got a lot of money from CWT on. So this is definitely a good move for CWT. WT, uh, because quite honestly, without that, they had nothing else that they could talk about in the marketplace. As always, to the point, Ash, thank you very much. That is absolutely true. I would agree. Um, and your thoughts? I think it's a really good win-win. Excellent for SpotNana. And of course, I'm, as you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we have to move on. We have to move on to order management, offering order management, and SpotNana is one. And that is the sort of company that can bring corporate travel into the future. Really good. And it will put SpotNana on top of mind, uh, I think, hopefully, uh, for more airlines as well. Uh, my next story was about Wings Global Travel. Um, they've actually just bought out the tech company that they were a major investor in and was supplying their, most of their tech for them behind their platform, Alchemia, I think it was called. And they've incorporated that and just rebranded it to Wings. Back in Europe, and, and while you're on, stay on because this one, I never heard of them before, the European Consumer Organization, BEUC. They're mm-hmm. taking 17 mm-hmm. airlines to court over their carbon offsetting yeah. practices and yeah. claims. It's very interesting, yeah. isn't it? It's very interesting. And and actually, what notable was that EasyJet is not on the list. And remember how many times we have said that we admire the approach of EasyJet of actually doing stuff and communicating that rather than asking people to pay for offsetting. I think all of us have been very much against. There is a lot of greenwashing and and um, like Glenn was pointing out, there isn't enough SAF. There is very little SAF. You know, they have to get all the facts uh, instead of all this sort of la-di-da-di-da about you can buy this offset and everything's fine. Uh, I think it's very poorly communicated and I'm personally very much um, irritated by it. Go after them. That's all I can say. My last story on my list was uh, about Delta over at uh, your part of the world. Um, Ash, are you going to switch over? They're running a major status match uh, offer at the moment. So anybody with elite status on another airline can switch over to Delta. Too many strings attached to this offer. Too many strings. Look at all the fine print. You got to jump through hoops. Uh, you got to climb a ladder, uh, run down the slide and jump a whole bunch of hurdles just to get there. So I'm going to decline this offer. You did read it. So there we go. You were you were tempted, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted. Because I'm always tempted for any status match offer in the world. I always read them in great detail because I want to know if I qualify. Oh, and they almost had Osh, but there we go. Okay, so I think that brings us to the end of this discussion. Again, for those in the audience joining us, thank you very much, especially the new faces. Please remember, we do this every week. From my side, Ash, Mohit, and Michael, and Glenn, thank you for, for commenting today, and I'll see you guys next week. Yes, I'll say a special thanks to, to Michael and Glenn, and also a big shout-out to Alex. Thanks, everybody. 
Thank you all for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn call every week on Monday, and it is all about linking the travel industry. Please do share this event with everybody that you know. If you enjoy today's session, chances are high that others that you know will as well. And if you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, this session is available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. 